Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Wow, that worship was amazing. Okay, so I have a couple of things to do before I get into my message. Is it okay if I go a little off script here? Okay, good. Well, I have the microphone anyway, so that's what we're doing. All right, so I actually just feel like I need to do this out of obedience. That song that we sang, the last one, I bought tissues for this. Um, that actually, that song was released while I was attending Hillsong about, about 13 years ago, I think. And it was around a time that my uncle had cancer. And I had just heard about um, the fact that Christians could do miracles. And I was like, what? No one told me this. Like, this is crazy. And so I began to read and I began to just look more into the things of the Spirit and equip myself and... I've read Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth. I heard that they were going after a cancer-free zone. So I began to pray for my uncle. I didn't have anyone in my family at the time who believed in that. So it was just me praying for my uncle. (laughs) And I was brand new into this belief system. And I remember hearing that song, and it broke me because he passed away the day that I heard that song. And I thought I was the only one who in that moment was really believing for a miracle. And I felt like the Lord said that there's retribution tonight. So if there's anyone here who has a terminal diagnosis or cancer or has an immediate family member with cancer, I just want you to stand up. We're going to just go after this because I believe that there is power in multitudes praying. And now I've seen it happen, so I believe it to an even greater degree. Amen. All right, guys, family, there are people that need our prayers. So if you are around them, you are the prayer team. I want you to lay your hands on these people, and we are going to go after this, okay? No polite prayers, okay? I want to hear voices. I want to hear people going after this because it is our portion as children of God to see cancer bow its name to Jesus. Amen? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you don't know what to pray, you can just pray in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Father, we just ask that you would just fall right now on every single person that is standing, every single person that is represented in Jesus' name, and we command cancer to die in the name of Jesus. Every single cell that is not in alignment with heaven, we cast you out right now. We speak life, we speak life, we speak life over your body and healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. I actually um, have had three people in my family who I've been close to pass away from cancer. So I kind of like have a bit of a vendetta out. And the devil better watch it. Because I'm a gal on a mission. All right. Okay, another thing that I wanted to do briefly. This is why I don't use electronics. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay, so I have a Tuesday night equip class. And it's on the prophetic. Anyone here in that Tuesday night equip class? Woo! Come on! And I taught on Tuesday night, and one of the things I taught is that we as a house celebrate risk. And that we love the prophetic, and that this is a safe place to practice. Amen? So some of you may know that Sean Bowles is in town. So I feel like I'm just going to pull on his anointing. (laughs) And I'm going to give a couple of words that I got during worship. They're a little bit more specific than I usually have boldness to go after. (laughs) So have grace for me. 
All right, I got the date March 19th. Is there anyone who has a birthday on March 19th? I also got the name Bethany. Who? March 19th? Does the name Bethany mean anything to you? (laughs) Okay, this is what I got. I'm not sure if it'll make sense, but I got the name Bethany. I got the word sunset. Um, And then I heard the Lord say that you have been praying, and it's been as if you have been firing arrows into the enemy's camp yet you haven't seen much return on your prayers. And I felt like the Lord said that he's taking you into a season where he's actually lighting the tips of your arrows on fire. So as they go into the enemy's camp, they're actually going to cause an explosion. And I feel like you're in a season of breakthrough. Whoa. Wow. Where actually you better be careful what you pray for. And so we just release that over you in Jesus' name. We say yes and amen. We say may your prayers be the most effective that you have ever seen and experienced in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I got one more. I got the name Ben, Benjamin, Ben. Um, Well, wait, don't tell me your birthday. Um, I should know it. I know it. Okay, I did get, I got December baby, but I actually feel like it's cr- more Christmas baby, like like the week surrounding Christmas. So is anyone Ben or, but yeah? Yes, who is Ben? Oh, you have a birthday that's the 20, well, I mean, that's kind of just as good, right? Oh, Aaron, do you have someone? Oh, so we're just going for birthdays here. Okay. (laughs) So does the name Ben mean anything to any... Oh, okay. Natalie. Hey. Hi. Oh, cool. Very cool. Okay. Sorry. Okay, she said that her dad is named Ben. And that when... I know I should know your birthday, Natalie. When is it again? She was due on Christmas Day. Okay. This may seem a little strange. I actually thought it maybe was going to be a man. (laughs) But I just, I had this picture of an older man. And I had a picture of someone hunting. (laughs) I was like, that's safe. We're in Texas. Um, But... (laughs) hunting with an older man, but the whole purpose of it was actually, it was this like bonding time. And I felt like maybe it was with a grandpa and you guys were like speaking about the the mysteries of the kingdom together. And I felt like perhaps like you, I don't know this, but I feel like maybe one of your grandpas wasn't a believer. And that is conversations that you wish that you were able to have with them. And I felt like I saw this in the heavenly realm because the Lord is saying that actually, even though he's gone, you still get to make a deposit into his spirit. And there was something really special about the bond that you had where you were able to just have this conversation with him. And whether you knew yet or not that if he was a believer, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I just felt like there was a connection with that. So there you go. Yay. <laughs> Okay, I need a drink. (laughs) Oh, cheers. Thanks. Okay, I don't trust my iPad. I just can't. I just have to go in my notes. Okay. Tonight, (laughs) the title of my message is called The Conviction Driven Life. I know, joy-filled already. (laughs) Okay, so tonight I wanted to talk about building our lives and our our faith upon convictions and not emotions. Now, the the phrase that I kept having roll roll around in my head, I feel like I can't really talk tonight. Blah, blah. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. I was like, immaculate conception. (laughs) You know what? Okay, don't worry. Sorry. You know what? Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, help me. (laughs) 
Lord, help me, help me, help me. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for being here tonight, Lord. We thank you that your presence is good, that you are good, and that you have good things in store for us. So we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you just desire to encounter us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start this again. So the phrase that I had rolling around in my head was that following your emotions and not your convictions results in consumer Christianity. So following your emotions, living by your emotions and not living by your convictions is the root of consumer Christianity. And we're not in the business of consumer Christianity. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I wanted to break it down a little bit for you and make it really simple So what is a conviction? A conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. And in the Christian life, it is the foundation in which we build our life upon. The convictions of Christ. The convictions that we read in the Word of God. Because conviction and faith go hand in hand. You actually can't have faith without convictions. And you can't have convictions without faith. So there are two types of faith uh, of convictions. One is a non-negotiable, foundational Christian conviction. So we can mostly agree, mostly, I mean, not always, hence why we have denominations, but we can mostly agree on what some of these are. These are things like Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus came to restore humanity to the Father. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. The Bible is the infallible Word of God. Women are powerful ministers of the gospel. I just threw that one in there. I just thought I'd take the liberty. Jesus is the only way to God, and through Him we have eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So as a believer, and this is just a reminder, because I know I'm preaching to the, to the choir, but John 16, 8 says, And when he has come, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit will convict. Christians won't convict. Holy Spirit, that's his job. And he's really good at it. And so we don't need to help him. Amen? Okay. So some of the more um, convictions that are still non-negotiables, but they can waver, I guess, between denomination and people hold different views on them. They're things like our views on homosexuality, our beliefs that men are men and women are women, our belief that we should not enter into sexual relationships outside of covenant marriage, tithing, serving, attending church, There's a number of them. They're all non-negotiables of the Christian faith, but you may hear different opinions depending on where you go. See, personal convictions is the other kind of conviction. Personal convictions is what makes following Christ a relationship and not religion. See, if we only lived by the non-negotiables and didn't take into account our personal convictions, then we're living by a set of rules, which is the law. So we're under religion. But in order to have personal convictions, you need to have a relationship. You need to be connected with the one who is Jesus, who is speaking these convictions to your heart. And they may differ from Christian to Christian. And this is where life gets a little bit sticky and where our little judgment hat creeps out the most. (laughs) But I don't have a conviction on that, and they do, so they must be wrong. Because I'm not wrong. Because I read the Word of God. Romans 14, 14 says this, I know that I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So what is that saying? 
that they're both right. (laughs) One person believes that there's unclean things and another believes there's not and they're both right. Because it's a different set of convictions. The Jewish people have a different set of convictions than the Gentiles. It's personal conviction. Some examples of personal conviction could be what you watch on TV. Some people may feel like they can get away or they, it doesn't affect them when they watch certain shows, while other people, it really affects them and they have a different level of conviction on what they watch. It's the same with music and what we listen to. What someone may listen to, you'd be like, oh, are you a Christian? But yet it doesn't seem to affect them and they're not convicted by the Holy Spirit not to listen to that. And again, this is where we fall into this place of where it's so easy to judge one another. Fasting and what you're fasting. I gave up TV for a year. You can all pray for me. I am... (laughs) I actually felt like I, I don't know if any of you parents, or maybe non-parents as well, can, can kind of relate, but I kind of got to the end of my day after looking after three small kids, and you do the mom thing, you do the wife thing, you're cleaning, you're cooking, you're doing everything, and at the end of the day, there's something about bedtime. It like saps the last of your soul. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about, moms and dads? What Keen and I were just talking about, it's like before bedtime... We're like, oh, I'm going to get to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And it's only a matter of like half an hour, an hour. But in that time, it's like something just comes in and sucks all the life out of you. And you get to the end of bedtime with toddlers and you're like, I need to go to sleep. And it's pretty much all you're good for is sleep or watching TV. And so I would watch TV as a way of escaping, if I'm really honest, I had no emotional capacity. I had no physical capacity. All I wanted to do is lay down and get lost in someone else's drama. So I would watch TV. But see, I'm like a bit of an all or nothing kind of girl. Like, I feel like Joaquin is like the king of moderation. I'm like, babe, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. (laughs) Or I will be like, you, it's just all or nothing, you know. I'm like, I didn't have three juices by noon, so I may as well have a cheeseburger, you know. And he's like, well, you know, why don't we just, like, pace ourselves? And so that's just a bit of my personality. So one show can quickly end up into two shows, which can quickly end up into three shows, and then I've binge-watched a whole season of Friends. And I'm like, oh, man, where did the last six hours go? So that was me. <laughs> I know, your pastor is not perfect, I know. I'm sorry to crush that illusion. No, I'm just kidding. I have a pretty good feeling you never thought I was anyway, but that's, so that's a good thing. (laughs) Anyways, I was having a conversation with the Lord last November, and he said to me, Renee, I want you to give up TV for a year. And instead of watching TV, I want you to read, and I want you to pray. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I was like, okay sign me up. But I actually really knew in that moment that when I said yes to this, I had to keep my word. And so for the last year, I haven't watched TV and I've been convicted of that. And it was not easy. It was not easy. I thought it'd be way easier than it was. And it wasn't because when I get bored, I just can't flick on the TV. But I have a conviction that I'm not going to watch TV. But Joaquin doesn't hold that same conviction, which is a good thing. I mean, it's per- I'm trying to do the personal convictions. I have friends who don't, and they're like, have you seen this show? And I'm like, no, but I want to. I'm not judging them because they are watching TV, just as they're not judging me because the Lord has told me not to. I get to watch TV again next month. But I will say on that, I definitely have a different level of approach to it. I know that I can go a year without watching any TV. I know I can. And so now when I re-engage in that, it's going to be different. 
Some people have different convictions when it comes to their schedules. I have a friend who thinks that the world should be her best friend. And, and she knows everyone. She's one of those people that is at every party. And you're like, I, how do you know this person? Like, how do you know that person? I do not have that conviction. I have one best friend. And I'm at my limit. <laughs> I just don't have the capacity in my life, so I have a conviction on my schedule that I don't say yes to things that I don't have the capacity to do. She has the capacity to do that, my other friend. And I think that's awesome, but that's different. You know relationships? I don't know if I should bring this one up, but I'm like, some people like have a conviction to not kiss while they're dating. Like kiss, dating, goodbye, and all that stuff. I did not have that conviction. <laughs> I actually don't even like that book. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm just going to put it out there. I really don't like that book. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying people have different levels of convictions. Now, this is what I'm not saying, that you can take a non-negotiable conviction that is part of the Christian foundation and make it into a personal one. So when the Lord tells us to not have sex before marriage, we can't take that as a personal conviction. Yeah, but he told me I could. Like, it doesn't work that way. And you're like, yeah, but I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, but I love Jesus and there's grace. It's like we slap grace onto things to make it acceptable to sin. Can I tell you that there is grace to get you out of a sinful lifestyle, but there is not grace to keep you in one? I, um, I have a deep personal conviction that I am to be planted in the house of the Lord. Because when I read Psalms 92, it tells me that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And ever since I was a brand new believer, that's one of the convictions that I was taught and that I hold fast to. Can I tell you three months ago, <laughs> this is my, where my tissues come in handy. Three months ago, Joaquin and I, um, we got some news from my brother who lives in Australia with his wife. And they had a little baby girl who I have yet to met, meet. Um, she is now almost four months old, but she was one month old. And they called to tell me that she had just been diagnosed with spina bifida. So I did the worst thing imaginable and Googled what that was. <laughs> And it was awful. I'm talking wheelchairs, catheters for the rest of your life, the inability to function like a normal person. And she was diagnosed, there's three kinds, and she was diagnosed with the worst possible kind. And that was on a Friday. And on the Saturday, when it was time to come to church, I did not want to come to church. I didn't want to talk to people. I was a mess. I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want people to touch me. I just wanted to wallow in my pain and my grief. I wanted to process and I wanted, I can't even explain it, but I wanted to be hopeless for 24 hours. I did not want to get into a room full of faith-filled people. I just didn't. And I'm the senior pastor of the church. And I did not want to come to church. But I endeavored that I would not allow emotions to dictate my life, but that I would live by convictions. And I am convicted that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. And so I came to church, and I knelt there, and I think I just cried the whole time. Real ugly cry, real not pretty. And I had several people come up to me in worship and lay their hands on me and pray for me. 
We started singing songs in worship, like, in your presence there is all that I need. And I was like, horse poop. (laughs) I don't know what (laughs) But I was like, that is not true for my life right now. I have big needs. I have really big needs. I need a miracle to happen in my family. So I couldn't even sing that song, and I was angry. I was so angry. And I didn't worship for most of the time. But when every single time someone came and laid hands on me and prayed for me, and when they came up to me and just hugged me and said nothing, can I tell you that it opened the door for hope? Can I tell you that their faith became infectious and got on me? And this cloud of hopelessness that I was walking in under, I did not leave with. I had a completely different outlook on the situation. Because I came to church when I didn't want to come to church. Am I saying that you can't ever miss church? No. I'm not saying, well, maybe I should say that. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you should not let your emotions dictate what you do. You are bigger and more powerful than your emotions are. You know, when we start... um, When we start taking the non-negotiables and make them personal, we end up with like crazy things like universalism, right? I mean, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, but let's make that a little bit more personal. Should we just slide Buddha in there as well? But come on, like Jesus is love, so everything goes, no. (laughs) There is one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. That is a non-negotiable that we cannot make comfortable for ourselves to appease our situations. I want to talk a little bit about convictions versus emotions. Because you can have preferences and you can have emotions. They just shouldn't be the things that govern your life. Actually, Chris Valentin says, emotions are a powerful tool. They're a powerful servant, but a terrible master. So emotions do play a part. And I'm not saying don't be an emotional person. We all have emotions. But we start to lack grounding, and we start becoming flaky, as though we're like like a tree. (laughs) Whenever a wind blows, we scatter. Our leaves scatter. That's what it's like to live by your emotions and not by your convictions. But we are called as oaks of righteousness, amen, who are planted and our deeps go our roots go deep. Can I encourage you to figure out what your convictions are? It might even help if you write them down. But please don't do it when you feel lonely, when you feel discouraged, when you are disconnected from God and disconnected from people because they will steer you wrong. But if you are connected to God and you are connected to people, that is a great time to figure out the convictions in which your life will be governed by. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, says this, therefore, whoever hears hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these things, these sayings of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Come on, like this, like this is Sunday school, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock. You remember? Do you guys have that here? Yeah. I told Dylan that I was going to release a prophetic song tonight, but then I thought he might drag me off the stage. So I'm not going to do it. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm not doing it. Like I just, I just like to prod him every now and then. I'll duck into his office, and I'm like, if you need a backup singer. And he's just like, wow. Wow. We need to have a talk, Dylan. In my office Monday. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, can I give you a couple of tools? I like tools. I'm a really practical person. We need to learn to identify our emotions so they don't take over us. And so that we know when we're us and when we're a little cray-cray, right? I'm an external processor, if you haven't noticed. So, Joaquin is the lucky person who gets to be my sounding board. I know. Don't be jealous. I know. (laughs) But find someone, find a good friend who you can use to process with. And we need to learn to figure out what emotions we're feeling and why, and then we need to communicate what we need from that place. Did you know, I know that this sounds like really simple and I should have figured it out on my own, but it did take Joaquin to point it out, but like around conference time, our life is a little crazy. With the three kids, with conference, with guest speakers, with all of it, it's a little crazy. And so if my house gets messy during conference time, Like, don't come over. (laughs) Not just because I don't want you to see the mess, but I'm not a nice person. I really try to be, I'm getting a lot better. But I like will find myself occasionally like snapping at my kids and snapping at my husband because like there's dishes everywhere. And I'm like, this is the one area of my life that I can have control. And I am out of control. I kid you not, this was a constant cycle. (laughs) Until Joaquin's like, notice, honey, darling. (laughs) Tread with caution, man. 90% of the time I love it. 10% I don't. And he never knows when the 10% is coming. (laughs) We like to keep life interesting around our house. (laughs) But he had to tell me, he's like, He's like, babe, you're reacting out of emotions right now. And I'm like, my emotion is I need the dishes clean. (laughs) But I actually had to take a step back and be like, okay, what do I need right now? Oh, I need a little bit of order. I need to at least have the illusion that my life is together. So if you could just put the dishes away... If the kids could just not tear up the living room for the 12th time that day, that would really help mommy be a nice person. (laughs) But I had to learn what I need, and I had to learn how to communicate. And I tell you, that goes so far. It goes so far. Married people, it goes so far. I'd love to say I got that right from day one. I did not. And I'm still learning (laughs) how to communicate what I need. But in order for me to communicate what I need and expect him to listen, then I have to be someone who listens when he communicates a need to me. Joaquin's like, amen. (laughs) Another thing about convictions is we need to attach our courage to convictions. We need to attach our courage to convictions. Do your convictions hold fast in a crowd? Do they waver at opposition? Do they become watered down 
by popular opinion? You know, I have a conviction that when I pray, it's impossible for nothing to happen. I have a conviction that Jesus told us to go and heal the sick. I have a conviction that he told us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But if I don't attach my courage to that, it's just a nice belief. It actually doesn't change anything. We just started doing outreaches on Saturday morning. Woo! Come on. That is a great place to learn how to attach your courage to your convictions. Can I tell you, it's not, one of, it's not easy for me to have courage in praying for people on the streets. Still. I feel like I've been doing this for a long time, and they're always like, fake it till you make it. And I'm like, when do I make it? It's been so long. Like... But we've just got to do it, and we've got to do it scared sometimes. We have to have convictions that stand when opposition comes. Because we are living in a city. We are living in a day and age where people are going to try to water down your beliefs and your convictions in the name of love and equality. We have to be a people who stand on the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, it says this, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, not it might come, it will come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, their own emotions, their own preferences, fill in the blank. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions to the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There will come a time when we're faced with opposition if you haven't already been there will come a time where there will be false teachers. And if we don't know the word of God, how do we know what we stand for? I love this part in 17. It says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Can I tell you, you don't have to do it on your own. Not only do you have a whole group of people but you have the Lord Jesus Christ who gives you strength and helps you stand in the face of opposition. If your convictions are the foundation of your life, then they should be the conversation of your life. We should be talking about him. We should be breathing them. We should be meditating on them. We should be teaching them. We shouldn't just be talking about them on Sunday or Saturday night in our case. We, um, we Joaquin and I, um, we have a heart to see our kids move in compassion. And we teach them to be compelled by compassion. And so all the time when we're driving, Austin is a really, a lot of opportunities in Austin for that. Especially now. Anyway, don't get me started on the homeless situation. But um, we teach our kids this. We talk to them about it in the car. We allow them to ask us questions. Why don't they have homes? 
And we're like, oh, well, you know, we don't give them the wishy-washy. We're like, some people are really sick, maybe mentally sick, and they can't afford a home or they've worked their way out of relationship and aren't in homes. You know, the other day we were driving to school and Asha, we stopped at a traffic light and Asha was like, look, mom, there's a homeless man. Can I give him my lunch? <laughs> oh. oh, He didn't actually say homeless man. He said poor man. I'm like, I don't know if that's politically correct, but, but he has such a heart. And every single time they see camps of homeless people, they're like, daddy, can you take me to go feed them? It should be the conversation of our life if they're the convictions of our life. Just so you all don't think that my children are overly spiritual. I was a really proud mama one day when Asher came in. He's like, Mommy, I can talk in tongues. And I'm like, show me. He's like, and I'm like, that's awesome, buddy. And I'm like giving myself a pat on the back. And he's like, I can speak in butts too. And I'm like... The Lord will humble us. Amen. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of the areas that I wanted to touch on was convictions and boundaries. Convictions and boundaries. I feel a little bit caught in between generations. Like technically, I'm not. What's that one? After, what are you? What are you? Like a generation X? X? No, we don't know. What X? And then is that what I am? Oh, like a halfway between millennial and an X? That's what I am. I'm an Xennial. See that? I feel a little bit caught in between those two generations where I'm like all about the millennials point of view, but then at the same time, like my dad's like, suck it up and get over it, you know? So I'm like a little bit like work hard for what you got. Like that's what I was brought up in, but I'm like, oh, but I love like emotions and being in touch with myself and self-care, you know, all that kind of stuff too. So I'm like a little bit in between, but I will say this. I think that in a lot of cases, we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And what I mean by that is I think that we have, as a church, not our church, but the church, we've done a really good job at instilling religion in people, a whole lot of rules, not a whole lot of connection. We've done a really good job at that. And it's almost like we've tried to now swing the pendulum to the other way. We're like, grace, grace, you can do whatever you want. And Jesus still loves you. Yes, he loves you. But if you're a Christian, like Chris Ballatin would say, he's not going that way. And so we have to find this middle ground. And I love boundaries. I have some. I think they're great. Someone else really likes them too. I've read the books, listened to the podcasts, love boundaries. I am not saying you should not have any boundaries. But we should not allow even our boundaries to supersede our convictions. We've gotten so good at creating these walls to keep people out. And that's actually not what boundaries are for. I have a boundary where I say no to someone not to keep them out, but because I want to say yes to my kids. Your no's allow you to say yes. And sometimes I think that we have so many walls up for the sake of self-preservation. And we forget that Jesus said, if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk with them too. If someone wants your tunic, give them your cloak also. If someone slaps you on the face, turn the other cheek also. But that part of the gospel isn't comfortable. So we put up boundaries. (laughs) 
There's this saying that I tell myself and other people very often that I'm sure we have all heard, that hurt people hurt people. You all heard that saying? Yeah. I remind myself of that often when people are angry at me. I'm like, hurt people hurt people. Bless them, Jesus. They are hurting. That is why they're hurting me. I mean, so I tell... I tell myself that, I tell people we counsel that, because it's the truth. Hurt people, whether sometimes they know it or not, they hurt other people. But we don't talk about the other half in that healed people heal people. And that free people free people. So if we have all these boundaries up around us and we're not letting the broken in, who is going to set them free? We need to point them to a Savior, not put a gate around Him. We can't allow boundaries to keep people out who desperately need the love of God. And you may just be Jesus to them. In the same way, I think that we say yes and no very flippantly in our culture today. And I get it. I do this sometimes. I'll commit to something on the weekend, but I don't always account for the hard week that it's been with work, with kids, with everything. And then I get to the weekend, I'm like, I'm so exhausted. I shouldn't have said yes. I should have, you know, I've, and I've had to occasionally been like, I really can't make this commitment. I'm so sorry. Occasionally, like count on one hand. It should not be our normal. It's another indication that we're ruled by our emotions because the Lord said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Kingdoms were established on the word of man. You only have to read the old covenant and they made an oath to one another. They didn't have lawyers' contracts. They didn't even have iCal. You know, like... Like, and they made some mistakes when the Lord said, like, destroy that nation. And some of the spies came in and pretended to be strangers from a far off land. And they're like, take us in. They took them in without inquiring of the Lord. And then they couldn't touch them because they made an oath. Like, that's how powerful our words are. And to live by conviction is to live by your yes and to live by your no. We have to be aware of how we affect the people around us. If Stacy was here, she'd be championing my little EQ spill right now. But emotional intelligence is a big deal. We have to be aware of how we affect the people around us. And if we're aware of that, then we have to be aware of ourselves. We have to be aware of our own emotions And firstly, how they're affecting us, so then we know how they're affecting others. If you have to take longer to commit to something, do that instead of going back on your word. Take a day to pray about it instead of committing straight away, (laughs) or instead of saying no straight away. I think the easiest way that we can be people who live by our convictions is to be eternally minded. We have to be. You're not the only one who is going to suffer persecution because of what you believe. You're in good company. But we can't be swayed by our emotions. I have friends who are believers in the Lord. They are Christian. They held certain beliefs, even surrounding homosexuality. And two of them in particular found out that their siblings were in homosexual relationships. And instead of standing firm, they then allowed that personal emotion to dictate the conviction that they held in their life. 
The idea is never to push people away if you don't agree with them. The whole goal should be to bring them in closer. But we can love and disagree at the same time. And if people say you can't, then that is narrow-mindedness, not Christianity. Third John 24 says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The good news is, is that we're not in this alone. You know, I'm so thankful for Chris Vallotton. Who was here when Chris came? Yeah. He says what most Christians think and are too scared to say, right? I mean, that's, that's what it's like for me. I said to Joaquin, whoa, I was never nervous about what he said until I started pastoring a church. And then I'm like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Who's he going to offend? I'm so sorry. But I love that he talks when others remain silent. See, we hold the same convictions. We're just not vocal about them. But we can't expect to change the world. We can't expect to see nations saved if we will not stand and be vocal on our convictions. And yes, you use wisdom, always. But we need courage and conviction to come together. And we need to stand when it's uncomfortable. Amen. I just don't want to be a consumer Christian. I just don't want to take without giving. I don't want to be the 80% that the 20% serve. I don't want to be the 80% where the 20% fund the kingdom and I just idly sit back and pretend that I don't have a conviction about that. A conviction-driven life is a purpose-driven life. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that anyone was created without a purpose. And whether it's a small part to play or a big part to play... Every single person has a call to change the environment in which they're planted. And we do that by keeping convictions the conversation of our life. We do that by having our convictions steadfast. We do that not by ignoring our emotions, but not being led by them. I feel like we're in Texas, so we can just get away with a lot, you know? <laughs> Do you feel that sometimes? Like, it's so easy to be a Christian in Texas. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I come from a 3% Christian nation. 3% of my nation is Christian. It is so easy here. I mean, you say, you sneeze, and everyone's like, God bless you! Like... I love Texas. I love it. And there is strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers. And I'm going to get on my little high horse right now because I have a couple of issues that I want to address where I wasn't actually going to go here, sorry. Um, but I will. I know Chris touched on this, but if we don't do anything about the curriculum that is coming into our schools, like what are we doing? You know, if we can't sign a petition, how hard is that? I actually had a conviction <laughs> this past week. You know what it is? I'm happy about it, but I am kind of sad as well. I felt like the Lord convicted me that I was to become an American citizen. 
I'm ha very happy because I love America. But I'm very sad because I love Australia too. But he said to me, I'm not allowed to vote. So that's, that's the only thing that I'm not allowed to do. I'm a permanent resident. I can do, I can own whatever. I can, I can do pretty much anything except for vote. And the Lord said to me that you need to become a citizen because you need to be able to have a voice in the world in which your children are growing up in. And it was over the issue of the curriculum that's coming into the schools. We have to have a voice. We just have to. Now to him who is able. There is so much hope, you guys. There is so much hope. You know what brings more hope? Revival. You know what brings revival? Christians who do what they believe. Christians who stand for what they believe. Christians who have convictions that when Holy Spirit says he wants to come, they actually believe it. You know, like those crazy people. We have to have conviction that he wants to heal people, both physically and spiritually. We have such a great opportunity being in this city. Such a great opportunity. Some people are like, why did you choose Austin? It's so liberal. And I'm like, I love it. I love it. Where sin abounds, grace much more. And I tell you what, Austin hasn't seen anything yet. Amen. We're going to do some declarations together. I like declarations. They rewire the way that I think. They make me believe so that I can believe and then act. And they really do become the foundation of our belief system. You like declarations? You ever seen that little girl in the mirror, like, and her dad's standing behind her, and she's like, I am beautiful. I am smart. Can we do declarations like that tonight? Okay, everyone stand up. Like, get into it. Like, we're going to say these like we mean it. Okay, you ready? I am a giver, not a taker. I am salt and light to this world. I am unwaverable in who God says I am. I live for an audience of one and am not swayed by the opinions of man. My emotions serve me. I do not serve them. I am steadfast, dependable, and my faith will not be shaken. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He gives me power, love, and self-discipline. That was a long one. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh. Can I pray for you? You know, whenever I preach, I am always preaching to myself. <laughs> I'm usually the one who needs to hear the messages the most, you know? Like, the Lord's like, preach this so that you'll hear it. And I'm like, all right, got it. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. God, I thank you that you have given us beliefs, that you have given us faith, and that you have given us convictions, God, not to confine us, but to free us. God, I thank you that we are free. I thank you that we are healed. And Lord, I ask that you bring people to us who need freedom and need healing 
so that we may be Jesus to them. God, I thank you that we are unwavering in our convictions, that we stand for truth, and that we will not be accounted as those who go off course, who are swayed in the wind by popularity, by false doctrine, but that you would find us steadfast and you would find us faithful. God, I ask that you give us an eternal perspective, Father. An eternal perspective that our convictions bring you glory. And yours is the only glory we care about, God. Lord, I ask for boldness and I ask that you give us courage to not remain silent in the things that matter. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.